Sinners. It's Monday, technically, when I'm recording this. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Bryce Reed. This is the Sin Every Day podcast. Uh, it's a personal diary. I'm going to watch 366 movies in 2024. And, uh, I get on the mic every week and I talk about all the movies that I've been watching and my progress to this goal. It's a milestone episode. Perhaps the first milestone episode. Is it coming late? You know, I actually decided last week, because last week I did this show. I recorded the, I was recording the show on Sunday, putting it out on Monday. Last week I recorded the show on Monday, put it up Monday night. And it actually works way better for my schedule. I don't know why I was sticking to doing it Sunday. Maybe I just like to just pile everything on my days off or whatever. But it's a lot easier to come home on Monday night after work and do the show. So that's what I'm going to do. I, You know, it's going to be kind of a shorter... I did a lot like traveling and stuff this week. So I didn't get to watch as many movies as I'd like to watch. And honestly... Uh, Saturday night, I was expecting to like really, you know, put some friggin' work in. And I guess, I guess I kind of put some work in on Saturday, but I, uh, man, I, um, I took a two Benadryl. I haven't taken Benadryl like ever. Usually I take a non-drowsy, uh, antihistamine, but I was visiting family. And something in the house was messing me up real bad. So I took I took two Benadryl. Or I took two. They were, I was like, do you have any antihistamines? And they brought out Benadryl. And I was like, eh, 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 do you have anything else? For the love of God. And they brought out uh, like a generic antihistamine. But it was uh, when I looked at it, it was the same. It's just a generic Benadryl. So I was like, fine. If that's all you got, I'll take it. And it fucking threw me for a loop i was it was rough man i can't even um but we're gonna get going we're gonna start talking about the movies if you're new to the show i just come on here and talk about the movies i've been watching every week i'm watching movies at random movies that are suggested to me movies uh uh, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to get as many movies watched as possible. We're up to 50. The, like I said, uh, landmark episode because we've reached 50 movies and we are at, uh, well, today's the 5th of February. So 36 days into the year, which I'm, I'm stoked about. I think that's great. It was an eight movie week. Pretty, pretty, uh. Pretty lax week, honestly. Probably the least amount of movies I've watched in a given week. But again, you know, I was traveling for one of the days and it just didn't end up really happening the way that I wanted it to. So hopefully this week I'll be able to to knock a few more out. I think that I will. I think that I will. Um, We're going to get going here. I... I didn't do some prep for the show that I needed to do for the show. So, uh, we're adding this week, one of these I took off, Santa Sangre, last week. We watched. We're going to talk about it later. 
Good. Here we are. We're ready to go now. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the movies. I started off this week. At this point, if you're listening to the show, you're listening. You're listening to the show. Otherwise, go back. Listen to the previous episodes. Uh, you know the rules are very simple. I'm not going to go over them again. I went over them in the first episode. <laughs> um, but I started uh, this week <laughs> on Monday night after I recorded the show watching Wild Card from 2015, which I got on a DVD. Um, I went and bought like a bunch of DVDs for probably like 20 bucks. Um, and I watched uh, uh, Wild Card's a Jason Statham movie from 2015 it, when he was really going through the period of just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall. Lionsgate had him to some sort of... Um, uh, if we put the Russian mob in the movie, you have to do it sort of contract, I assume, because he's just making so many random, like kind of crappy action movies at that time. Um, kind of before, or maybe just after he started doing fast and the furious movies as well. Hmm. And, uh, well then, and I, I uh, this movie's fine, you know, a uh, three star movie for me. I watched it on the on the DVD and uh, I thought it was a, a perfectly fine DVD movie. Uh, it's about what you'd expect uh, from a, a, a like mid 2010s Jason Statham action movie. I th- there's a really, really funny part in the movie. I don't, I don't even care if I kind of spoil this one. Jason Statham gets on a hot streak in a casino. He's like a, he's like a Las Vegas, like, uh, uh, known about town fellow. And he gets on a hot streak in a casino and he has a, a million dollars, literally a million dollars, like enough that he can leave. He gets enough money that he's like, I'm, uh, he, almost gets to the counter and then he starts like kind of having a panic attack and his uh, gambling uh, uh, addiction kind of takes over and he rushes back to try to put the million dollars up so that he can um, get a big payout on it and have millions and millions of dollars and then, and uh, you know, get out of town. That's his plan. And he, get, he, he, of course, as soon as he's like, I'm going to go back, you're like, Oh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> And boy, oh, it doesn't end well. Um, but, you know, the movie competently shot, entertaining enough, fun enough. I mean, I think Jason Statham is going to be a, a I think uh, he's going to be a career watcher that's going to be fascinating uh, for people when uh, when the time uh, finally comes that he's done making stuff. But man, I... Uh, I, you know, I thought it was fun. I had a fine enough time with it. I consistently wasn't bored throughout the picture, which was really, really nice um, because I can't say the same for some of the other movies that I watched this week. Um, but on 2019, I was looking for something uh, or sorry, on, on Tuesday, I was looking for something a little more um, acclaimed, you know, something that was a little less kind of trashy. Uh, so I watched The Lighthouse, uh, which is on Tubi now. Now, this is the absolute worst movie to watch on Tubi. This movie, regularly interrupted by commercial breaks, is a 
crazy experience, especially because it kind of felt like watching the movie on TV. But then this movie is just it's out of its mind insane in like a good and interesting um, way that feels like it has momentum and feels like the picture is, um, you know, always leaning somewhere. It's definitely something I would recommend watching with subtitles. It's interesting. My um, relationship with watching movies with subtitles on has changed significantly. Uh, I used to find it incredibly distracting. I don't like it. I speak English and the people in the movie are speaking English. So watching the movie with subtitles uh, or closed captioning on um, never really appealed to me. And my hearing is mostly fine. So um, it was never something uh, that I would do. I would always keep them off. But lately I have found sound mixes in movies sound fucking horrible at home they sound so bad and it uh, a lot of the dialogue is unintelligible if anyone has even a slight accent it's like i don't know what these fucking people are saying and so a lot of times i'll have the subtitle the uh the closed captioning on uh even though personally uh, i previously never had a need for it this is apparently a, a pretty well-known phenomenon uh recently and there's a lot of uh excuses that people like to or sound mixers like to throw out there the, the reality of the situation is they're not mixing the fucking vocal track high enough um and there's there's really no excuse that makes any fucking sense at all but uh but for this movie i did find uh, that i needed the subtitles on to really understand what they were saying they're not only talking in accents they're talking very quickly um I would say probably the most mesmerizing film that I watched all week was was The Lighthouse. Probably the one that I would be like, oh man, you should watch that movie. Especially if you love uh, awkwardly being in the room while Robert Pattinson is uh, masturbating. Then uh, it's definitely a movie to be watching for sure. You know, it was good. It was a great movie. Um, I don't know that I am like uh, Ian on the whole religious experience uh, thing with this one. Um, But I'm about where everyone had kind of pointed out to me uh, on this one, which is, you know, it's great. Four stars. I uh, really enjoyed my time with it. Um, And the next night I watched uh, The Ides of March uh, from 2011. And I watched it on Max. The Ides of March stars... Ryan Gosling and George Clooney. I think Clooney maybe directs or produces it as well. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is also present in the movie and Paul Giamatti. Um, kind of unreal, kind of a huge cast um, turned out for this uh, this picture. And it's like a presidential uh, uh, campaign trail, subterfuge, political movie. Um it's really pretty good. Ryan Gosling kind of, as always at this point, turns in a, a fantastic performance in this uh, movie as you know, Clooney is fucking Clooney. Uh, the performances are where this movie kind of shines. The story itself for such a big thing feels really kind of small. Um, but, uh, but the movie itself I thought was really, uh, really well put together and a fun watch. Even if, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not sitting here being like, uh, Oh, you know, oh, the eye to March. You gotta go watch the eye to March. It's fine. It's the eye to March 2011 on max. 
Um, yeah, f- you know, four stars. I thought it was good. A lot of stuff. I had a run of like four star films this week. Films that I thought were great at what they were going for. Um, and, uh, but, uh, no fives, you know, no five star, no movie this week. And it sucks because I, I think that's been the uplifting part of the challenge is I've been pretty lucky to once a week be like, that was fucking amazing Uh, with at least one of the movies. Like, but this week it was a lot of like, that was great. That was great. That was great. You know, but nothing was like, holy shit. That was fucking awesome. You know? And, uh, you know, that's going to happen. I assume that I'm probably going to have weeks that are way worse than this too, because like from a, from a batting average perspective, most of these were four stars for me. Um, with the exception of like kind of two of them at the end. Um, but, uh, but you know, I, I really, um, I really was hoping for a five star and I didn't really get one this week. I did watch Terry Gilliam's time bandits from 1981 time bandits, uh, is a movie, you know, watching it made me feel like I, I wish I had seen this as a kid and I'm really kind of surprised that I didn't. Um, you know, my dad was not, uh, was, he was very much a, a Monty Python fan. So I'm pretty surprised that this wasn't something that we, had around the house or had on VHS or whatever. Uh, time bed. It's, it's funny. It, you know, it's a children's adventure film, a live action children's adventure film with uh, wacky uh, sort of uh, zany elements from the eighties. And it's one of those, it's a really, really good one of those. Again, this is a four star film for me on max. You know, I went through this week and made a point to like a couple of weeks ago, I had gone through TCM on Max, uh, Turner Classic Movies on Max, and it just like um, put a bunch of stuff on my watch list. And I this week I spent really a lot of time um, going through movies that were on that watch list and uh, and uh, sort of knocking them off one by one. It was a very Max heavy week. Uh, so apologies to anyone who who uh, doesn't have Max or isn't interested in in Max content or whatever. But um, Max, formerly HBO Max, has a really incredible catalog of movies. I'm trying to get back uh, back to getting on Netflix at some point to see what's going on on Netflix because I don't have it right now. I probably should probably open me up to more available resources. Maybe that's maybe after I'm done recording the show, I will figure out what I have to do about getting Netflix back because I did, you know, I'm kind of running out of things on max that I'm like, I'm dying to see. And, uh, I'd, I'd have to be kicking the tires around on whatever's going on. Um, which I'm not really stoked on time bandits. About time it, uh, time it is a great movie. Um, if you're into that sort of like '80s children's adventure, um, I think it's a pretty good one of those. It kept me interested throughout the film, um, and uh, by the end of it, I I was uh, 
I I had a great time. I had a smile on my face. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, four stars. It's on Max. Go and check it out. Uh, the Informant. The Informant, I actually, uh, from 2009, I watched over a couple of nights. I started it on the same day that I watched uh, Time Bandits on, on the 1st of uh, February. Uh, and then I, I ended up finishing it on Friday after a, a travel day, Friday night. I finished it. And uh, I'm trying to think of the I because the subject of the informant is um, a real life news story of uh, Mark Whitaker. And I it was funny because the, they started talking about him in the movie. And I was like, Mark Whitaker. And I remember Mark Whitaker being like sort of uh, referenced as the, as, you know, like a, a public figure, a, a scandalous a scoundrel of a public figure, the name Mark Whitaker in my youth, uh, because this, you know, had kind of happened um, while uh, all of this was going down. The movie's directed by Steven Soderbergh, too. Um, and so this movie, it takes place in the nineties, a big kind of news story in the nineties about, uh, a, uh, an FBI informant who they later find out was a pathological liar and who had, uh, um, uh, let's say a bunch of crimes to his own name uh, to uh, to sort of discredit his testimony, which led to a big uh, er, kerfuffle with the uh, Department of Justice and the FBI. And it's this amazing story of just like, <laughs> uh, you know, just when you think you've, fi- you've finally gotten to the bottom of the whole situation, there's more. Um, that you uh, were not privy to, that he didn't tell you, you know. And I love that. Um, I think Matt Damon did a really good job with the character. Um, who uh, Scott Bakula is also uh, quite present in the movie. Um, yeah, the informant. If you haven't seen it, I you know great, and I think enjoyable. Uh, both for fans of like sort of true crime, white collar crime stuff, but also, you know, um, I think anybody would like this movie. I, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, how many of these movies would, would like my mom have enjoyed, you know, uh, watching this week. And I think out of all of them, maybe the informant would have been the one that she liked the most, you know? Um, I think it would have offered the most to her because you know uh, she definitely she would have fucking hated the lighthouse. Oh my god, <laughs> she would have been like, "What is this movie?" Uh, Wild Card wouldn't have appealed to her at all. The Ides of March, hmm. I mean, the Ides of March, maybe she's not really in for political subterfuge all that much. That's not really her thing. Time Bandits, I think she would have thought was cute, but not entirely uh, um, interesting. I think the informant she would have thought was really kind of 
funny comedy of errors about uh, pathological lying, you know. Um, it'd be really funny, really funny to get her reaction to that. I don't know, maybe I will. But I also watched uh, V for Vendetta, which I hadn't seen 2005. It's funny because through sort of, I, I don't do research on the movies before I watch them. And so I, for some reason, had believed that the informant was a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which is not. It's a Steven Soderbergh movie. And then I, for some reason, had thought that V for Vendetta was a Wachowski Brothers movie, and it's also not. Um, and maybe they had a, a, a production credit or something on it. I'm not going to look it up now. This show isn't about looking up details about the movies. It's about how I felt about them. Uh, v for Vendetta, I thought, did a lot of things right. I thought did a lot of um, really cool things. I think the movie's probably a little longer than it needs to be. That's why I would say four stars instead of five. I, and, and you know, again, like I got... It's another movie that I got to the end of this week and went, huh, that was great, you know? It didn't blow my mind. It wasn't, there was no point in the movie where I was like, oh my God, fuck yeah, hell yeah. But it was great. It was a great movie, you know? And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, V for for Vendetta. Uh, I think there's sort of a lot less made of this movie now. I think the fact that it doesn't really you know, blow my mind in, in now is probably indicative of like where we are near 20 years on from this movie. And I think pretty much anybody at this point, if you ask them about V for V for Vendetta would be like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, it's cool. It's very, you know, it's one of those movies, V for Vendetta, 300 Sin City, the spirit, you know, Movies at that time that they were kind of making out of graphic novels. I guess uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen also counts there, too, where um, DC Vertigo Watchmen, you know, again, uh, was sort of adapting all of these graphic novels that they had. And uh, this stands among that uh, unconnected cinematic universe that is the the sort of DC Vertigo cinematic uh experience and um uh, a lot of i you know i enjoyed the movie quite a bit and uh yeah i was shocked that it's hugo weaving supposedly behind the mask and then the whole movie i was sitting there being like oh yeah i hear it there i don't hear it other places but i can hear it there you know what I mean? kind of cool um but i wanted to i was visiting my mom and so i was like mom we should you know we should watch a movie together while I'm up. And so we, uh, we, she wanted to watch South Pacific from 1958 or, you know, we decided to, uh, because it had to be something that I hadn't seen before. And I, again, I took the, the, uh, ill-advised, um, motion to take two Benadryl prior to watching South Pacific from 1958, which means there was a small section in the center of this movie where I was 100% fucking asleep for sure. Um, but 
I caught, I caught almost all of this movie, and uh, I can tell you it was two stars for me. Um, and I like musicals a whole lot. I just even old ones. I think there are ones that are sort of better than this. The story is not super interesting in the musical, which is maybe the biggest strike against it. Um, it's got some amazing songs. Some Enchanted Evening is a, of course, a huge, was a huge hit for Sinatra. Um, nothing like a dame is like a big hit from the show. There's a couple of other sort of notable songs. Those are the most enjoyable parts of the film. The rest of it, you know, is a lot of like very minute relationship stuff. And, um, yeah, I just, I didn't enjoy the story that much. I found the story to be, to be pretty, uh, pretty banal in this one. And a lot of the, uh, the presentation of the songs wasn't great. I also didn't think that the, the singing by some of the actors in the movie was what I would have wanted it to be, especially considering like even a musical at this time, you know, all of it would have been dubbed the, even just the speaking would have been dubbed, but then on top of that, the, all the singing was dubbed. And in some cases on this movie, like dubbed by better singers than the actors who are here and and present like they got different people to come in and dub the singing and even still i didn't i th- i thought that some of the singing wasn't very good um which was rough but i watched it on prime video uh two stars it's a classic for sure but maybe a classic that could do with some updates there was also you know and i'm not here to examine culturally um a movie from 1958 through the lens of 2023 24 now um, but I did think that, uh, there were some reasonably problematic elements with how, uh, natives were treated in the movie and portrayed in the movie, um, that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe are a little rough around the edges through a modern lens. <laughs> um, but the last movie that I watched was uh, the movie that we did for the wheel of Tubi this week. And I'm, I'm glad that I finally got around to it. Cause I, I like sort of realized on the last day, like, Oh shit, I haven't done the thing. I haven't done the thing that we're supposed to do and go watch the movie from Tubi. So I did, which was Santa Sangre. And this was like the biggest eye opener of the week for me because, you know, and I, I go to like, I went to, all these four-star movies that I watched this week, Lighthouse, Ides of March, Time Bandits, Informant, V for Vendetta. For the most part, all of them were like 3.5 to 4.5. Like, And so me doing four stars was uh, about where they were, you know? Um, sometimes it was a little higher than the average rating. Sometimes it was a little lower than the average rating. But more or less, I was within one one star of the average rating. I, I'm like fully willing to maybe admit that I didn't understand Santa Sangre, but I watched the entire movie and I was like, wow, this was really bad. And then I went to Letterboxd and it was like 4.2 on Letterboxd. And I was like, did we watch the same movie? And I understand there's like a bit of a skewing, right? Because this is not a super popular movie. It's, it's a Chilean film from 1989 by a director who does a very specific type of thing. And therefore the people who are finding this movie and then going to letterbox to rate it are people who, 
in most cases probably had a better idea of what they were getting into. Um, this is supposedly by this, uh, the director who directed the film, who I would look up, but I am not going to, um, is his like most accessible film. I, you know, for me, my reasons for being one star is like the movie was crazy, uh, which seems to be what appeals to people is that it's like bad shit and that, you know, Oh, it's about, you know, it's metaphorically about trauma and, and, uh, uh, inherited trauma from parental units and all that stuff, you know, which I, I, you know, I got, I just felt the metaphors that they used were really fucking hard to believe. And I thought that the cinematography in a lot of cases looked super cheap and ugly. I didn't think the performances were super great throughout the film. Um, there were every now and then there'd be a shot where I'd be like, Oh, this is a great shot. Interesting. This film might be not, there might be more to this film than it just being like weird trash uh, which it ended up being, you know, it ends up being this, uh, you know, sort of uh, beloved um, psychological horror film from Chile or whatever. But I got to the end of the movie feeling pretty confident that I had just watched something pretty bad. Um, and then uh, come to find out it's uh, people go gaga for it, you know, people uh, that, you know, and like even even like I had seen friends of mine. Uh, had rated it four stars and I was like, I don't, I don't get it. The, I, the biggest thing about the movie for me, which I haven't mentioned yet, I found the pacing to be absolutely brutal. I like paused the movie and went and did something else easily three, four times during the watching of this movie, which might've hurt my experience, but I was, I was bored. Um, anytime something interesting would happen in the movie, it would be kind of followed by quite a significant amount of, of really nothing much going on. Um, and then uh, the the premise of the entire back half of the movie, um, I found to be like so fucking ridiculously hard to believe, <laughs> which is, is tough in horror. Like if your horror is so far out there that I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, right. Um, that's tough. Um, I also, you know, me finding out that the movie was a horror movie, I was shocked because I didn't find any, I I didn't find that out until I looked on Letterboxd afterwards and they're like, oh, it's a, a horror movie. And I was like, oh, I guess so. I guess I would consider that a horror. I didn't find any part of it even remotely scary at any point. Silly. For sure. Yeah, really fucking silly. Lots throughout the movie. But um, but scary? No. No, not really. But, you know, I, I wanted to talk... Because uh, there's a lot of streaming service stuff on here um, this week. I did do a lot of streaming service stuff. I, you know, I kind of had somebody this week kind of talk to me about, uh, about DVDs, why I'm collecting... I bought more DVDs. I uh, went to... Bullmoose, I picked up a a collection of uh, Rudy Ray Moore films that they had on DVD, which I'm stoked about. Honestly, it's the complete collection of Rudy Ray Moore films. And I've seen uh, Petey Wheatstraw and Dolomite, the original Dolomite. 
I got them on the uh, the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray releases. But uh, I saw the opportunity to get the full DVD collection for, I think, 20 bucks. Which, hell yeah. And honestly, the I, I own both of those Blu-rays. It's cool to own those Blu-rays. Those movies are crappy, and uh, and I think they're probably better suited to uh, to DVD. Honestly, it'd be kind of cool to own them on VHS, if I'm being real with you. Um, even though I don't want to become a VHS collector at any point. They take up so much space, and yeah, no thank you. Um, but uh, I'm totally okay with, you know, a lot of stuff I like to have in the highest quality in 4Ks or Blu-rays if I can. The collection of Rudy Ray Moore films is one where I'm legitimately like, yeah, I'm kind of okay owning those on DVD. So I, you know, I don't even know if I'm going to keep the Blu-rays that I have or if I'm going to cycle them out. I should probably do a cycle out pretty soon because there's some, there's a lot of stuff that I have in the collection right now that I'm like, I don't know if this is a hit, you know, take a, take a, a bindle of movies to, uh, to, uh, Bull Moose and be like, we can get rid of these, you know, we don't need these around. So, um, I'm definitely, uh, uh, considering that. I think I'm, we're getting to the point I, I've moved all of the, uh, all of the tev- television on DVD to like a different area of the house because the movies are, there's a lot of movies now. And, uh, I think it's, uh, uh probably time that some of the movies that I bought and watched and were like, this was fine. Kind of gets cycled out to make room for movies that I might actually enjoy quite a bit. You know, um, so, uh, but you know, I, I guess I owning stuff on disc. Cause again, somebody asked me about owning stuff on disc and, and that versus, uh, uh, watching stuff on streaming services. Uh, you know, a not insignificant part of it for me is, um, I'm sure that I have like positive memories in my childhood of like going to movie gallery, which would have been what was in town. We didn't have a blockbuster. We had movie gallery and getting movies and, and uh, enjoying browsing through movies in a movie store. I kind of wish I still had that. There actually used to be um, even like sort of well after the sort of Netflix killed movie gallery and blockbuster, there was an independently owned movie rental store in the town that I live in and uh, God, I wish it was there still God, I would get, I would be there all the time. And there's actually a place doing it now, like sort of small scale, um, which I've been meaning to pop into. I, you know, I went to the library the other week, their selection was trash. So I'm like trying to find sources to find, you know, opportunities to, to get weird discs in and watch weird discs. Cause, uh, Cause I think that's the joy of, um, of having a disc player at this point is that you have access to not just what they want you to have access to, not just what they deem valuable. And like Tubi kind of picks up a lot of the slack on that, you know, because they buy, it's like having access to a friend's weird VHS tape collection, you know, which is cool in its own right. But the you know the biggest thing for me that sort of made me double down on on wanting to get more movies on disc and and have a bigger collection of movies was over the summer um 
I just started seeing my girlfriend and she wanted to watch the notebook, uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams in the notebook. And, um, we watched it. I think it was on max. It's probably still on max. And we get to the end and she goes, what the fuck? And I'm like, what? And she's like, that's not how that fucking movie ends. That's not how that movie has ever ended. They like cut a whole scene from the end of that movie. Uh, and she's right. They did. Uh, the, the original theatrical cut of the movie is different. And on the streaming services, it's not listed as being a different cut than the, uh, the theatrical cut. And this is maybe my, the biggest thing that scares me about the idea of like, stop, uh, stopping disc production and moving everything to streaming services is that they can literally take history and change it. And you don't know. And they don't have to tell you that it's a different cut than it was because there's no regulation telling them that they can do that. And the comforting thing about buying movies on disc is that it's not going to change. At least until they develop the technology to do that, it's going to be the same cut of the film every time you put it in. Um, And as somebody who really likes movies, that's, that's become really important to me. Not necessarily to have an archive of everything. I don't want to have an archive of everything, but I want to have an archive of the things that I care about. And I want to not only suddenly have a corporation decide that they don't want me to have access to it, but then beyond that to suddenly decide that they want to upload a new version that is different than I remember it being. Um, The idea that they have that kind of power is fucking terrifying to me. Like that's crazy. And that's maybe the, you know, that was the biggest thing to make me go, okay, I really want to kind of tamp down what I'm doing streaming service wise. And I famous last words. Cause I watched a lot of streaming service shift shit this week, but like, and really kind of focus more on picking up discs and watching discs as much as I can, because yeah, it's, you know, at least with a DVD or a Blu-ray there, you know, there was always a focus on denoting what cut of the film is present. Um, and if changes were made, the internet would immediately be like changes were made here, here, this is a different cut, blah, 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 blah. And now it seems like there's kind of no oversight for that sort of thing. They can just upload a new version of the film and yeah. Can that be used for goods? Sure. You know, sometimes they're just, they're going to upload a new version where the effects look better or whatever. That's, you know, that happens, but I would all honestly kind of rather have the thing as it existed at a, as I remember it, than a new and improved version in any way, even if it does make the film slightly better objectively or subjectively or whatever, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, that that's, what has kind of pushed me away from this sort of streaming service future more than anything is just that they have taken some real sort of uh, creative license with uh, only showing you the version of this product that they are, that they want to show you at this time, you know, and I really 
fundamentally don't like that from an artistic perspective. I think it's dangerous. I think it's really, really fucking dangerous. But Santa Sangre, uh, to to sort of finish it up, you know, uh, that's the wonderful, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, subjective nature about movies is uh, I can, ju- you know, I'm fully, I'm willing to be like, I didn't get it, you know? I, it didn't, it didn't speak to me. It got, and the, and these ratings, they're like, not, uh, oh, this is bad. Oh, you know, it's all based on like how I felt about a movie. I didn't get it. I thought it was a bad movie. One star. But then I go there and I see on the letterbox page, it's four stars. I'm like, and, and the stuff they're talking about in the movie, I'm like, yeah, you know, we definitely watched the same movie. I just, I didn't, I felt the opposite of, about everything that you felt about it. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah, kind of a, you know, usually I'd have more movies to talk about this week. This week was a, a hectic one in terms of getting movies watched. Um, I'm excited to get some movies watched this week. <sighs> Man, that's hard. Uh, Diabolique, I think, is still our 366 champion. Uh, as of last week, and I didn't see anything this week that I thought was as fucking amazing as Diabolique. Um, so Diabolique is still the champ. It's going to be difficult to knock Diabolique off the mountaintop, but I think we can do it. I think we can get there. I don't think it's out of reach. We've got a whole year ahead of us. Yeah, we're 50 movies down, and I'm stoked on that. 50 movies. It's only the 5th of February, and we're 50 movies. By the end of the night, we're going to be at 51. I'm I'm excited about the future, and uh, yeah, I'm a man. But Diabolique still our 366 champion. Congratulations again. I didn't have a five star this this week, so um, it's going to be difficult to beat Diabolique, which is uh, five stars all day. I'm I would watch that movie again right now if I had any time. It's so funny, you know. My brother will. Uh, uh, come by now and then and he'll be like oh have you seen this one before and I think it's a bit that he's doing because I don't I clearly don't have time to watch movies that I haven't seen before or that I have seen before I'm just not re-watching stuff. I can't I don't I, uh, I the the guilt of doing it would uh, would eat away at me I'd be like why am I I need to watch something new I need to get something new so I can log it um, this is the hell that I have chosen for this year 2024 and uh, we're making progress, baby. Only 366 to watch. We're at 50 already. I'm I'm feeling great. Uh, but we're going to spin the wheel, the wheel of Tubi. It's going to be great. We're going to have a, a, a I added uh, to the list to replace Santa Sangre. Do the right thing. Spike Lee's do the right thing. I've never seen it before. Uh, so I figured I'd add it to the list. It just got added recently to, uh, to Tubi. So it's a possibility here. And we need to all be ready for it. But now we're going to spin the wheel and we're going to find out what we're watching this week on Tubi. That's hilarious. The movies, of course, listed possible for the wheel were Do the Right Thing, Forbidden Planet, Runaway Train, Goon, we Are the Flesh, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town, The Sisters Brothers, Death Sport, Queen and Slim, and Bitch Slap. Uh, and the winner was Goon. 
So we're watching Goon this week. I'm excited. Sean William Scott, I believe, is uh, the lead actor in Goon. I just recently picked up a DVD collection of Dwayne the Rock early of the early film credits of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which included um, the Scorpion King. What it, uh, Walking Tall? Is it Walking Tall? And the one that he does with Sean William Scott. It might, I think it's walking tall. No. Hmm. Then it's not walking tall. It's a different one. Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Johnson movies. Maybe the rundown. Maybe I'm thinking of the rundown. I'm probably thinking of the rundown. If I'm being honest. Uh, the Scorpion King, the rundown. Which is, yes, Sean William Scott. And Doom. Uh, which is him and Carl Urban? Carl Urban? Keith Urban? Carl Urban. Uh, I have, unfortunately I've seen most of these. I've seen, I don't know if I've seen the rundown is the thing. I've seen the Scorpion King, although it's been so long. I don't remember a single detail. I've seen doom, although it's been so long. I don't remember a single detail and I've seen the rundown or I haven't, I don't think I have seen the rundown. Maybe I've seen the run. I have seen the rundown. So none of them qualify, but I picked up the, the, the DVD set anyway. And uh, Sean William Scott, star of the rundown. He's also in the goon and I'm excited to watch the goon this week uh, and add it to the, uh, the list of movies that we see. Maybe I'll watch it tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Anything can happen. Night's wide open for the boys. So <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to take any more of your time. Uh, this, uh, it's been fun to get on the show this week and talk about the movies. Um, if you want links to anything that's going on in terms of, uh, uh, the tracking, tracking through letterbox, tracking through Instagram, uh, uh, the email address, all that stuff's in the description. Um, we're watching goon this week on Tubi, uh, and I'll be back next week with the updates of everything that got watched. I'm so excited. If you've been joining me every week, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We're having fun here. We're going to make it all the way to 366. I'm feeling confident. Hitting 50 for me is the moment where it feels like, oh, I can do this, you know? Because there really aren't that many more 50s to do, you know? There's six more. I I only have to do what I've already done six more times. It'll be easy. Be easy peasy. Are we going to go to the end of the year? Yeah, probably. I mean, for real, it's going to be that there's still a lot of work ahead and not so many days to do it, but uh, I think we're going to get there. I think it's going to be wonderful, and I appreciate you for joining me on this journey. I'll be back next week with more. Until then, sin every day.